Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 35, verses 11 through 28. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me about things I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is forlorn. But as for me, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my bosom as though I grieved for a friend or a brother. I went about as one who laments for a mother, bowed down and in mourning. But at my stumbling they gathered in glee, they gathered together against me. Ruffians whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. They impiously mocked more and more, gnashing at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my life from the lions. Then I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. Do not let my treacherous enemies rejoice over me, or those who hate me without cause wink the eye. For they do not seek peace, but they conceive deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, Aha! Aha! My eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Do not be silent. O Lord, do not be far from me. Wake up! Bestir yourself for my defense, for my cause, my Lord and my God. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say to themselves, Aha, we have our heart's desire. Do not let them say we have swallowed you up. Let all those who rejoice at my calamity be put to shame and confusion. Let those who exalt themselves against me be clothed with the same with shame and dishonor. Let those who desire my vindication shout for joy and be glad, and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. Exodus chapter 35, verses 1 through 29. Moses assembled all the congregation of the Israelites and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the Israelites, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Let whoever is of a generous heart bring the Lord's offering, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and gems to set in the ephod and the breastpiece. All who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its clasps and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the curtain for the screen. 
the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light, with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance, the entrance for the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all of its utensils, the basin with its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked vestments for the ministering in the holy place, the holy vestments for the priest Aaron, and the vestments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the Israelites withdrew from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and brought the Lord's offering to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the sacred vestments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and pendants, all sorts of gold objects, everyone bringing an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or crimson yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or fine leather brought them. Everyone who could make an offering of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's offering. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. All the skillful women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and crimson yarns and fine linen. All the women whose hearts moved to see them use their skills spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod and the breastpiece, and the spices and oil for the light, and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women whose hearts made them willing to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded to Moses be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Acts chapter 10 verses 9 through 23. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened up and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of this vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. So the final days of ordinary time after 
the Feast of the Epiphany and before Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, um, we find ourselves still reading from Acts 10, the story of Cornelius the Centurion and his encounter with Peter the Apostle. And I don't think it's a coincidence, um, although I'm not sure if it was planned by the RCL developers, but um, it should be noted that the Cornelius and or the centurion, uh, whose name is Cornelius, from Acts 10 is, as I've mentioned on Friday, the first Gentile eligible for circumcision and other um, uh, Jewish traditions and rituals to be allowed into this new thing that was born of uh, the Israelites and the Jewish faith and uh, people, um, the first Gentile to be allowed in without undergoing the same um, cultural expectations. And it's noteworthy that it's a soldier um, because not only would he be a Gentile, um, but he would have been seen as a threat. He would have been seen as someone you know, somehow worse than unclean, but someone who represents an entity that actively makes things unclean. Um, in the time of Jesus, around when he was a child, he would have experienced um, other governors and um, Roman officials installing eagles, Roman imperial eagles in the, the temple, and some countless number of Jews stretching the road, leading to the temple, stretching out their necks and offering to be killed rather than to allow uh, this um, Roman symbol to be allowed into the holy place. Um, And so soldiers were seen as just, you know, dangerous because they held a lot of power. um, And uh, the the fasces, the power of death, um, the power to... um, uh, conduct capital punishment. That's where the, we get the word um, fascism from the fasces, which was the symbolic um, axe surrounded by staffs. And you'll see it in American symbolism uh, in different places, but that was the Roman symbol for, look, if you screw up, we get to kill you. Um, and so the Jews looked at Romans uh, with a sense of distaste and disgust, but Roman soldiers in particular Um, were kind of the embodiment of the imperial program. And so this individual um, in Acts 10, uh, you'll see that his followers repeatedly say, look, he's a devout man, he prays to God. The whole Jewish nation looks upon him with respect and, um, you know, et cetera, because Jesus, as any, most Jews would have, uh, would have assumed, that he was uh, a danger to the Jewish nation, that he was, they had Rome's interests more at heart than, um, than, their, than the Jewish interests. Um, and yet this is the person that we, um, that we are reading as we begin this Lenten season, which will culminate in Good Friday and what's called the Triduum, uh, the three holy days of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. And that final week is kind of the distillation of the whole Lenten season, uh, the Passion Week when uh, Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, um, appearing as a king, 
And then by Thursday night, he's arrested, tried, and executed within 24 hours. And the reading of the Passion during that week, um, it's often come, it often comes from John, the Gospel of John, who has as much contempt for the soldiers as he sometimes does for his fellow Jews who haven't accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Um, and so it's a, for observant Christian soldiers and veterans, um, Passion Week can sometimes be difficult because it is impossible to go through that week without um, hearing echoes of your own secular um, vocation. Um, and that goes for grunts, and I suspect a lot of military personnel who aren't infantrymen or you know fighter pilots or bombardiers or something like that, um, that to read... Some of this scripture can be difficult because of what it, how we are personally implicated. But the good news is that um, Jesus, um, in Luke's gospel, which is the focus of, of year C, uh, the RCL goes in three-year cycles, John is always read, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke are split up, so this year is about Luke. And in Luke, um, one of the last things that Jesus says is, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And I'm writing a, a book, or I'm pitching a book proposal and project right now where I talk about how those words, uh, in this kind of simplistic, myopic interpretation that's popular, well, you know, Jesus is talking about the, the men who put him up on the cross. In Luke's gospel, it's talking about the they as the soldiers. But it could as well be interpreted as the criminals who were crucified beside him, the crowd that stood and watched, um, or the um, the religious leaders who advocated for his execution and relied on the Roman fasces, uh, the Roman power to um, execute criminals, um, that they are all implicated in that they, that Jesus speaks, that we are, in fact, all forgiven, because none of us really know what the hell we're doing. Um, in particular, um, what we're doing in terms of military ministry um, we reduce soldiers to diagnoses or tropes and stereotypes and caricatures. Um, and so in the season of Lent that's coming up, um, we're asked to give something up. Um, and it will be, I'll, I'll try and keep from going too much into Lent, but keep attention or pay attention to today and tomorrow when we talk about Cornelius and the role that he played narratively as well as scripturally in the life of the church um, and whether or not we can do away with the difficult um, moral complexities of his story or the story of other soldiers, including those soldiers who executed Jesus dutifully, um, ordinarily, routinely, uh, who thought nothing, uh, you know, who saw no difference between him and the two other criminals that they executed that day and the thousands of other criminals they would execute to, you know, through any given year. Um, think about how they contribute to the life and uh, self-understanding of the church and what happens if we lose that or if we um, just kind of assume that we know what's going on by this superficial reading, um, that they're just simple characters in the story and not uh, deep, enriching, complicated figures that Christ speaks to among uh, as one among many.
collect for the last week after the Epiphany from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.